Hey gang, welcome to episode 72 of the No Persinium podcast, your guide to immersive entertainment, brought to you by our friends at Drafty. I'm your host, Noah Nelson. This week on the show, we've got the the brilliant core of the Shine On Collective, uh, the makers of uh, Devoted, which was lighting up uh, LA's spooky season for those of you who are lucky enough to see it. Uh, that would be Marley Delia and Anna Mavramati. Um, they're excellent, and you're going to enjoy this episode. Uh, but first, a little business and a little more business. We're all business today. Um, this is uh, brought to you by our friends at Drafty, as we noted at the top. Um, maybe this is your first time on No Persinium. <laughs> I'm not going to make a Fight Club joke. I'm just going to say that I'm not going to make a Fight Club joke. Uh, some of you don't know about Drafty. So let me read you the, the, the block of text that I wrote that explains Drafty. Because I'm being meta today. Do you do theatrical or event design work? Looking for a computer-aided design program that's built for the work you do, like lighting, projection, and sound? Then you should check out our friends at Drafty. Drafty is a computer-aided design program built from the ground up for the unique needs of theatrical designers, assistants, and technicians by an actual theatrical designer. Lighting, sound, and projection design are all supported, and it's priced to be affordable. Because the designer who makes it knows exactly the kind of challenges you face firsthand. Find out if Drafty can help you work your magic at drafty-app.com. And once again, thank you to Lucas and Drafty for sponsoring the show and being the rock upon which our bills get paid. Um, I'm just being truthful right now. Uh, this is Friday, November 11th, when it is the show is being recorded. Um, we're going to do the immersive news and notes. Uh, first up, um, haven't been doing a great job of tracking what's going on there. Just going to cop to that right now. I wonder why. Um, but I do want to note a few things that are happening this weekend. Attention in LA is wrapping up its, its very storied run. Next week, uh, ABC Projects Barbershop, which I got to see, like, I got to be the guinea pig for, like, the first, um, the first run through with people. Uh, and once again, Annie Lesser's cooking up something something really interesting. I, I, I wish I was around next week to see how it evolves. Uh, Hamlet Mobile is on the road here in L.A. I've caught a couple of pieces uh, and just, just delightful as always. And just see how the craft has matured in Lauren, Ludwig's, bleh, Lauren Ludwig's hands. I totally know how to say Ludwig's name. I'm just having a tongue twister kind of morning. Um, I am an idiot. But I'm not that dumb. Um, Hamlet Mobile's wonderful. We all know that I think Hamlet Mobile's wonderful, those long-term listeners. But, uh, you know, go catch it. Uh, I, I've seen uh, Grave Digger, Hotboxes the Van, uh, and I've seen uh, The Dumb Show. And I'm going to get to catch one more before I have to dash out of town. And just just fantastic work. And more, please. More, please. Um, let's talk about, uh, let's talk about San Francisco for a moment. Uh, that data fest is going off. Uh, there's plenty in the San Francisco newsletter to check out. We've got some things happening, uh, coming up, as I mentioned before, the neuro society, uh, installation. It's a, it's going to be down in pay, at the pace gallery in Menlo park opening on the 22nd, going through March 12th. Uh, and it's, uh, it's put together by, um, um, uh, 
David Byrne. <laughs> that David Byrne. Yeah. It, unless I just had a brain fart, which would be appropriate for something called Neuro Society. Uh, the Dance and the Dawn. Um, wow, I'm just finding, I'm, I'm paying attention to this one. Uh, it's part of the Come Out and Play roster, and it's a LARP. Um, and play the role of a noble from a gothic fairy tale realm convened for a ritual dance. You have one night to find love and redemption. Six ladies of ash who have come to the midnight ball in hopes of healing their heartbreak. Seven cold, proud lords of ice and the queen of ice and the duke of ash. The enigmatic figures who have arranged the whole affair. Dancing, dueling, courtly intrigue, and the internal hope of romance and joy. At the Fort Mason Center, the dance and the dawn. Um, our own Albert is house managing the show. And it's a LARP at the Fort Mason Center. I, I'm super intrigued. Uh, November 20th. Am I going to be? I don't think I'm going to. No, I just miss being in San Francisco on that day. So no LARP for me. Let's fly to New York. I could use New York right now. I think we all could use a little New York right now. Theater for One is up and running through November 21st. Pershing Square Signature Center. Free. Reservations available 24 hours in advance of each day performance. Uh, this is a mobile state-of-the-art performance space for one performer and one audience member that commissions new work written specifically for one-on-one encounters in this venue. I'm down. I'd go check it out. You should check it out. Um, the Hunt is coming November 17th through the 21st. I think we talked about that last time. And uh, there should be new issues this week. Oh, hey, back to LA for a second. Um, some stuff. Uh, this is new. New business. New business here. Uh, the Royal We, uh, Heidi Duckler Dance Theaters, pulling this together. It's a two-weekend-long exhibit in Chinatown's King Hing Theater. A dozen performance installations from up-and-coming Los Angeles-based artists. Our friend Diana Wyan, who ha- did her piece, uh, is, was, will be at uh, Indicade. She's remounting it there. So if you missed it at Indicade, uh, and, and it definitely uh, gave a little joy to folks there. Uh, the 11th and the 12th, 7 through 10 uh, there, and uh, also the 18th and 19th, uh, a different lineup, uh, but again, 7 through 10, and um, tickets, I believe, are just 10 bucks, just 10 bucks uh, inside the space. So it's great to see um, some of the, the, the established companies creating space for other artists. That's how this is going to work. So thank you so much for that, everybody at Heidi Duckler Dance Theater. Um, If you are a bit more of a high roller, then uh, consider you might uh, might want to check out 2-Bit Circus's gala. Uh, They do this once a year. Uh, It's part of their educational efforts uh, for the foundation, uh, which uh, works on... um, doing uh, like STEM and STEAM educational uh, activities for young folks. Uh, the gala is going to be on November 19th at 6. Uh, I said high roller because the tickets start. Um, one ticket is uh, $256 and a table is uh, $2,500. So uh, it is a gala. It is a gala. But if uh, that's the world you, you get to roll in, um, you might want to check it out. Two-Bit Circuit Circus does some wonderful work, unlike my mouth, which doesn't know how to pronounce things anymore. Uh, which for someone who's technically a professional broadcaster, but, but the truth is uh, we do multiple ta- takes. Oh, wow. I can't even say multiple takes. You're getting me unfiltered. Um, 
you always get me unfiltered, let's be honest. Uh, and then a little congratulations to our friends at uh, Screenshot Productions for uh, their first year of work. Uh, they they were uh, they just closed the rope, uh, I believe, this past weekend. And um, yeah, they've been at it for a year now. Uh, looking forward to seeing what Nicholas and Co. have in store. And uh, curious if they're going to get stuff started up in the Bay Area now that uh, Nicholas and his lovely wife lovely wife Megan are living up there really I can't talk today I just can't um but I was able to talk when we recorded this episode of the show so I've got one more thing to note before we move into that and that is I want to give a big shout out to our latest Patreon backer um who if if memory serves I believe I uh, I think I mentioned at the end of last episode but that is not where you get you go you you are not at the end if you are one of our Patreon backers, patreon.com slash no proscenium, um, you are also the rock upon which this show is uh, built. Because look, uh, in the media world, um, there is no money. And we follow a variation of the uh, the public media model, which is uh, you pay for the show, so it exists. Um, combination of our friends at Drafty and Patreon backers like Alyssa Concha. Thank you, Alyssa. I hope I didn't butcher your name. Realize that I've taken all sorts of words today and put them through the meat grinder that are my lips. And let's just move forward. Uh, but seriously, Alyssa, thank you. It really means a lot. And for every single person who is a backer of this show, know that um, you are you are our light. And light is something we really need. Hey. Let's talk about stalkers. Let's talk about people who may or may not be serial killers. Um, let's talk about Devoted. I loved this show from the Shine On Collective. Um, I still haven't sat down and written my thoughts on it. Uh, that will come. Uh, it's been busy. Uh, I did write thoughts on Forever, which was the prequel to... Uh, devoted. You can find that at medium.com slash no dash proscenium if you dig around a little bit. Uh, but this is the full show, and um, we're going to have uh, uh, Anna and Marley break it down in a second. But uh, I just want to note for the record that uh, this is this is one of the best things I've seen all year, and I've seen a lot of good stuff this year. Um, and it just warms my heart to know that such excellent work is coming from people who are just jumping in with both feet, who are, are relatively new to the scene. And it, it makes me confident that we've got something special here. Um, oh, um, you know, and then something I, I wanted to mention as well in the news and I, and I just remember right now, speaking of things being special and coming forward. Just a note on the VR side of things, uh, today's the day when HTC, the people who make the Vive, announced that they have an add-on for the Vive that makes it wireless. So another leap forward for the technological side of the immersive world. And um, in the new year, we're going to be doing a little bit more talking about about that kind of thing as we, we bring some more people into the show. And we, you know, much like in the conversation with Brian Bishop last week, we're going to start expanding our sense of immersive uh, going in some almost the other direction, right? Like we talk a lot about the live stuff. We're going to get a little bit more into the technological stuff, um, but always with an eye towards it about the performance and the storytelling. 
back to shine on who we'll have on in just, you know, let's just, I'm not even going to no more, no more tap dancing. This is a good interview. These are excellent people. And I really hope you get to see their next show. Um, and, 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 uh, and I hope that it is sooner rather than later. Here we go. Thank you for letting me come here, Marley, to your apartment yes. and, and do this. Um, for those, well, let's, I, I want to get into the history of, of who and what Shine On Collective is, but um, let's start with the most recent, kind of give like the kind of the elevator pitch on Devoted, which has been running in October and November here in L.A. And so for, for those who maybe haven't seen it or, or won't, won't get a chance to, Um, uh, what's the show yeah so basically um the show uh and this is this is because they won't have heard your voice oh i'm marley hello Hello out there i forget this part myself sometimes right you know so yeah the show um revolves around a main character um whose name is Kara, and basically the premise is that she's in love with you we sort of say like your stalker (laughs) And um, what happens is, as you get to know her, you start to see that she is seeking out this love to fill a void in her life. And um, as the show goes on, um, you begin to see that troubled um, past and troubled childhood that she's trying to um, compensate for with love. Now, Anna, where you're, you're the writer on, on this, or, or one, and one of the co-creators, or is this is this piece? I mean. That's that's the first question. Like, is how much of this is script driven? How much of it is a devised structure? Because I know you're working with the actors pretty closely as you've been developing this. Right. Um, I think with this one in particular, we started off me and Marley talking about the concept for the show. Uh, then when we cast uh, Trish DeLuca as uh, Kara, our main character, um, we had a meeting with her and we just went to a coffee house and talked about our idea of the show and our vision for the show. Um, and I told her to feel free to kind of develop the character and make it her own too. Uh, so she wrote a whole backstory yeah. for her character. Um, and I emailed it to us and, you know, we talked about this character and like we had already kind of come up with the stalkery obsessed love. Um, but we wanted her to also be sympathetic too. You know, she's had a hard time. Um, a reason why. Exactly. Not just like, she's crazy and yeah. make it like super yeah. camp, like in, yeah. in that way. We wanted it to kind of be a complex character and so. um we also we actually started at the very beginning with the nightingale story which oh, was brought did. in in the last show yeah that, that was how, actually that was the, the initial idea that was kind yeah. of planted yeah. yeah so that and that's that's a that's an oscar wilde story yeah yeah yeah, yeah we were talking about that story and i'm um, doing something just you know, not necessarily an adaptation of a text, but a story inspired by a text mm-hmm. loosely. Um, and then we sort of spun into this other idea about this um, person who's like a martyr for love in a strange way. Yeah. Um, and then I love um, Halloween and love the idea of being a <laughs> Halloween immersive show. Yeah. And I was into haunts and all that stuff. So I was like coming up with all this really dark shit to put into <laughs> it um, to um, make it that kind of story. Um, and there's a little bit of darkness with the story. I mean, it's not oh, for yeah. the original story because yeah. there's a death and it's kind of, um, it's... Uh, it's a little more gothic. 
Probably, yeah, 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 it is. Yeah, and it's a little satirical, like or a little more tongue-in-cheek parts of it. Not the passages that we particularly focus on, but there's a lot mm. of tragedy um, to it. So yeah, so Trish sends has um, a uh, backstory. Um, I think I started out, out by outlining both of the um, productions. The outlines end up changing. Um, a lot of stuff actually remained in there, but um, they evolved and changed as we, uh, as I wrote the script and as we rehearsed it. Um, but I think I sent an outline at first to Marley and Trish, um, and uh, then our first rehearsal, I completely changed the outline for the first show for uh, forever um, because I think on our first rehearsal when we were actually at um, the space here, where we are right now, um, in this apartment. Um, I think we came up with some other ideas. You changed the outline? Yeah, we used to have like a curtain that. for the first show. There was like gonna be people coming out and then from Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, we had we this had, whole other We had had idea. this idea um, sort of of, uh, like sort of a social media kind of thing where you're like showing someone one front but inside you have all this other like trouble mm. and we sort of did end up incorporating that just not as literally as we yeah yeah we had this idea of a curtain splitting the room and you would see uh only one side of the curtain and then you would go on to the other side of the curtain um and then we were actually at the first rehearsal i think it actually written the script and that was for forever which was the earlier chapter yeah yeah, and yeah because like you guys you guys broke the show well you had you had a preview thing yeah at Midsummer Scream, uh-huh. right? right? Which yeah. I which I didn't see, and that I think there was like what one scene. It was yeah. like a monologue, basically. Right, with yeah. with Trish playing Kara, yeah. and then people brought and one, in and one person, yeah. And then the people who got to, to see that, they were then invited along with a few other people to come see. Well, we were at Scare LA also. Oh, also oh yeah, 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 they're both. Yeah. did both. Okay, and they were two different, um, like little mini scenes. Did people? Did people uh, do both? Yeah. yeah, a lot yeah, of people actually, did. Yeah, actually, maybe I get number of people doing both. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was and, um, there's we, there's a, there's a, there's a completionist drive. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> particularly, and that's that's the funny thing because like it was such a weird thing this year that there was both scare and midsummer, and there's there's all kinds of reasons why that happened, but um, you still had people going to both even though they were a week apart, and you still had companies presenting at both and trying to provide something different in part yeah. because they yeah. know that the the level to which the, the the horror kids as I like to call them will will like want to get it all so it's like yeah, oh here's this opportunity yeah. and like we know people are going to come back you know and 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 want more so and we also had a lot on. of new people at well the second one was Scare LA yeah, yeah. yeah. in Pasadena uh, we had a lot of new people come that were like oh I heard about this at midsummer at midsummer and I couldn't get in or whatever or didn't yeah. know about it there yeah. and so then they got to experience it there at Scarlet. That was really cool. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was really cool when people are or some people too at midsummer, um I feel like Scarlet we had a lot more I don't know what it was. I think it might have been because at Scarlet our booth was like right across the way from where screenshots scene, um, mm. the rope preview was happening. So we got yeah. a lot more um, immersive veterans. At Midsummer, we had a lot of people we were, who were like we immersive were, theater. Yeah. Because like also at it. Midsummer, we were in like more of the, because um, we had a really small booth. So we were near like people selling stuff. Yeah, we vendors. were in like the vendor, oh, more okay. vendory area. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So Which we had a lot of like was a, a different. Good in its own way, but. Yeah, yeah, different. we had different crowds, yeah. it felt like, at them. And it, they were both good. That's great. Yeah. yeah. But that's also, I mean, that's one of the fun things is, like, you know, what is it? Like, I've had I've had some, I feel weird seeing mainstream reporters, because either I wind up feeling like I'm sounding like Sarah Palin, <laughs> or I'm pretending I'm something I'm not, because, like, sometimes the day job means I'm on NPR and doesn't get more mainstream than that. <laughs> um, but 
um, I've had I've had some newspaper reporters and some like you know you know bigger website reporters uh, talking to us. I think one of them we might have an interview with one that runs like bef- right before this one, um, and and people are trying to get a sense of like well has it has it peaked you know like it seems to be like it seems to be everywhere and I'm like oh, oh no like this is still such a small thing and so people are still discovering it and so it's 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 still fun and you'll still find that there's people who are from very different worlds or have no exposure to this whatsoever right. and mm. in totally different crowds are finding this kind of work. And in the context of what you guys are doing in the horror scene, that's interesting is that it's, it's not necessarily like super gory. Like there's like, a, oh, yeah. you know, there's, that's not, it's not yeah. really heavy body horror. It's not, yeah. you know, but there's, but there's these, almost these grace notes from that world and all of it's done in service to the story like the way you constructed the piece you know someone someone who's familiar with certain extreme haunt stuff can like get a little whiff of it almost like a memory yeah. right but it won't necessarily be like oh if you're looking for like i want to be like choked down right. for like, it's like <laughs> no it's not going to be that so it, but at the same time like if you're someone who's like i don't want to be touched it's like no 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 it's not right yeah. it's, it's definitely yeah. coming in between yeah, yeah. I mean, you won't be handled roughly but you will be touched and blindfolded like yeah. <laughs> yeah. it's like you know you yeah. might be uncomfortable for a second but like but there's I don't, there's something about the way you guys have constructed this and maybe you could talk about that now because like this is this the material the, the core of the material is 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 difficult, right? I mean, the, the subject matter yes, is is, yeah. is is pretty heavy. Um, finding a way to re, you know, respect. So I guess let's start there. Like, why why a piece about someone who's who's clearly been through like abuse and right. who is who is sort of manifested that now through you know, stalking someone, you know, drawing someone closer and trying to sort of find find something that maybe isn't there in another person. So why go there? You know, I think for me, part of the inspiration for the character was um, looking at uh, villainesses in horror movies. And mm. um, a lot of them, um, I think in Trish, uh, when she was developing her backstory, was really interested in exploring the idea of um, a woman who's been abused in the past and that's part of why she's acting this way because she said she even read an interview with Glenn Close talking about um, her role in Fatal Attraction and I guess Glenn Close said she took her screenplay to a therapist and a therapist told her I think that this woman was sexually abused as a child Um, and uh, Trish liked the idea I think as an actor too of not playing the character gets crazy and that was something we talked about a lot Um, playing the character as someone who's a real sympathetic person um so i think that sort of started that idea of okay we ha- we get this kind of crazy woman like a glenn close and that kind of a movie but where does that come from you know um, yeah. what who is she as a person like what part of her you know is humanized or likable or sympathetic and um i'm kind of i was into uh in the past few years i've gotten really into watching these um or sort of collecting these movies like misery or um audition from Japan oh, and audition. Yeah. Oh, audition. yeah yeah and um, the loved ones is one from Australia and they all oh, kind of have it's oh, one of my favorite ones now it's a really good one but yeah they all have this sort of obsessive woman who wants yeah. to like kind of entrap usually a man we had men and women that she went to, that Kara wanted to go after but um, yeah she was she was open but um, 
But there was sort of this idea of this obsessive villainous woman who's going to trap a man and do terrible things um, in the name of love. And yeah. um, I think the, the more we were looking into humanizing that person, the more abuse, I think, just kept kind of coming up. Yeah. Like, what yeah. could really happen to yeah. make someone that way? And yeah. from um, a directing perspective, I'm really interested in, like, real characters, not, you know, stereotypes or... Uh, not just like shallow people, like yeah. depthfulness. So even in um, like her father, I didn't want him to be just like this evil person or something. Like we really spent a lot of time on making sure that in in some ways he was just like a real person, and that he he too is trying to find love with her, yeah. which right. is you know. Also yeah. devastating and terrible. I feel, yeah, I feel like in this big yeah. scene with the audience too, um, you kind of see that he maybe feels some guilt or something, you know, or he's kind of got some layering to yeah. him. Where he knows that on some level that this is all wrong too. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, and it's the same thing again with the layers of how much people let you see of who they really are. To like uh, in the very first show when you first meet the parents, they seem so like. Normal, well, I don't know, normal, right. but like <laughs> happy and like you like them, yeah, you know, and yeah. the, and then you're like, oh shit, like, oh, yeah, sorry. like oh, wait, no, 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 you can curse, you can curse. It's literally there's this little check bar, check mark, and like sometimes <laughs> I'll be like, oh, uh, if you listen to the show with your kids, maybe not this one, right? Yeah. Oh, poop, yeah, you know? yeah. <laughs> he's not like. Who, who I thought he was. Or, yeah. You know. Yeah. And I was, we were definitely a little worried about touching on the abuse thing. I mean, yeah. we put a trigger warning in both the emails going out. Um, and there are people, we had a variety of reactions. And I do mm-hmm. know people who have had um, history with abuse or um, trouble. I mean, even family members of mine uh, who test ran or checked out the show have had um, yeah. issues with that. And I was definitely open to getting like their input because we went, didn't want to go like shock value. We went to yeah, just yeah. Exactly. We wanna, didn't want to do it just to be like, oh, no, I mean, right. I, I, and that was <laughs> yeah. one of the things I was, I was impressed by. I mean, the, the, the sad truth of our reality is that everybody either has or knows someone really close yeah. to them who's, who's experienced right. something not right in this exact like the stats are just like no you know someone like if, if you're sitting here listening right now and you're like pretty sure like oh no n- n- nope nope right. you know somebody yeah. yeah um and and on the one hand there's there's definitely the argument and there's there's validity to some of the argument of like oh you know never touching it right and i think for some people you know that's that's a definitive choice like they want nothing to do with it either the wound's too raw or they just don't they don't want to reopen the box right Right. and that's totally totally understandable right but also but at the same time i think that you know we're human one of the ways that we process aspects of our reality is through fiction Mm -hmm. if there wasn't Mm -hmm. something if there wasn't actual value in it if it wasn't adaptive then then we probably wouldn't do this really weird thing of making up stories and sharing them and for the this most recent show the last show for most of it you're not yourself you're yeah it's open for you to play this character let's talk about that because i thought that was a really interesting choice in that in in forever you were you were yourself and kind of introduced to the world and in in devoted itself and in the core um at times you become kara you're you're endowed with that Mm -hmm. character i thought it was a really interesting technique so so when did that idea 
come about? And then I want to get also know, well, I'll, one question at a time. Though. This is what I do. I like, okay, I want to do this and that and that. Okay, one question. When did that I come about? I think that was Anna's writing. Oh, yeah. I think I started writing, yeah, the audience becoming Kara. I think the idea overall was Kara wants you to be part of her. She says it a right. lot yeah. to you or yeah. writes it to people um, that she wants you to be part of her. Um, so in my mind, it just made sense that that means um, I kind of see the audience entering her mind, you know, yeah. like kind yes. of progressively throughout this and getting to the point where you first are maybe just seeing her memories yeah. and then all of a sudden you are her in her memory um, yeah. and experiencing it and that this is like part of her process of joining with um, with whoever the audience member is um, so yeah I think it started coming out in the in the script especially for Devoted um, more and more that they started I, I thought it was interesting to call the audience member Kara and just have them be her so that way they were no longer witnesses they were they, they were experiencing what she wanted them to I guess yeah, yeah. how was how did people react because I mean Marley, you had you had seen as the psychologist yes. in the piece, mm-hmm. and so that was that was one of the bigger sections where you're being referred to as as Kara. Yeah, that one is maybe one of the more literal scenes where you're Kara and you're being asked questions yeah. as Kara. What was the range there of like, oh, how people responded? Huge. Yeah. yeah, that scene is so different every single time. <laughs> what's there, what's stu- what stood out? Without naming names, what stood out? One person, I think, even just said, "Why are you calling me that?" Yeah, one's one, my one name. Said, Why are you calling me that? I was like, "Because that's your name, Cara." <laughs> yeah, and then he picked up on it and he started yeah. playing along. I've had some people out. that just say nothing the mm. whole scene. You know, that just will nod or whatever. And yeah, that's fine. Like, I can still do the scene. Like, it doesn't really matter. Yeah, some people like are very vocal, especially people that have been introduced to Kara like in the uh, previews and know a lot about her then they'll be really into giving me a lot of information are they um, are they do they do they make up stuff then or did they or do um, they recite what they knew sometimes sometimes some people say what they know and sometimes I feel like people are telling me stuff from their actual lives mm. yeah which is like yeah. I'm like, I'm not an actual therapist. <laughs> but maybe they're just, you know, making stuff up. Making stuff up off the top of their head. Yeah. Um, but the best part is seeing the reactions to the little surprise yeah. part. Yeah. I mean, I don't, yeah. I don't know when this comes out. I don't want to This will when well that's well there's a there's an open question. I mean, like you guys extended with through Uh just this weekend. Just uh, through the yeah. Six. Yeah. Six. Yeah. yeah. This will come out this will come out afterwards. Oh, okay, uh, cool. Yeah, so okay. Is it if you want it, but it's your choice because like the, the, what I thought was interesting, I could see you guys, well, except for the fact that maybe your neighbors hate you now, but like I could see. Well, <laughs> they might. <laughs> they might, yeah. They might hate you a little. Um, I, could, I, mean, I, heard, I think I thought I heard banging on the wall during the <laughs> line. I was like, that part of the show. <laughs> There's so a lot of banging in the show. So. Yeah. yeah, right. Yeah. We'll just say, sure, we'll just go with that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, but um, I could see you guys remounting it. At some point, so it's up to you to decide whether or not you want to spoil something. Oh, right. Other than the fact that there's, yeah. a, there, I mean, there is, but that's, but I mean, one of the things is, look, I mean, I think we might as well like not say what it is because any kind of storytelling involves any kind of really compelling storytelling. As I was reminded this weekend in, in, in some stuff I was doing, you know, establishing a convention and then subverting it. Yeah. So like yeah. getting yourself into a place where you know, like, oh, you think you know what's going on? Yeah. Nope, you don't. Right. You think this is a realistic scene? It feels realistic, and then yeah, and, and then it's yeah. like, oh no, yeah. it's not. Yeah. yeah. And that's so. 
let's, let's talk about that. Like, you know, playing with, with you're, you're dealing with stuff that at times you've got this very serious subject matter, but this is a Halloween piece. This is a horror story. It's more of a psychological. It's definitely auditions perfect mm-hmm. as, 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 a, as a touchstone. And if you haven't seen it and you're not terrified of things, or you <laughs> are, watch it. It's so yeah. good. It's a little it, visceral, but it's really, 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 really good. But Just a little visceral. And it's only visceral <laughs> at the end when, right, when, it, it when it's going to be the most traumatic because yeah. it hasn't been visceral. It's, like it's like an hour and 30 minutes of like, Oh, I think this feels like a Hitchcock film, and then twenty minutes of oh, it's not a Hitchcock yeah. movie, it's not. Yeah, um, yeah, which makes it like extra painful. Yeah, yeah, um, it takes a sharp turn. A uh, sharp, being <laughs> Very operative sharp. word. Um, oh, uh, sorry, I could wax poetic about uh, that. Was accidentally a first date, but let's not talk oh my about gosh. that. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, clearly, I'm not in that relationship anymore. But you know, um, <laughs> I was sort of doomed from the start. Kitty, kitty, kitty. Um, the um, at the same time, you guys, there's, you know, for lack of a better term, surrealist or, or dreamlike yes. moments yeah. in in the piece. So, uh, did you did you sort of come up with like a, a a system by which you wanted to deploy those, or did you find that in the the work and, and, and working the piece. So was it was it like pre-planned script type thing or was it a matter so that did you know like okay we're in this world, we're in that world, we're in this world, that world, or and this is the rhythm, or was it more like as you're working you're finding like, oh, here's where we go into her mind. Oh. Well I feel like it was largely the latter for the most part. Like it was largely um uh, rather than found. being super pre-planned, yeah. yeah, it was kind of That's found. what I was going to say. Yeah. Right. I didn't know if you were going to say something different. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but, <laughs> but with the writer and director here, yeah. yeah. Like, well, that's, that's, yeah. A, that's a good sign of collaboration. You're both like waiting like, who claims credit? You know, like, we have it was a lot, planned. I found we it. a lot of collaboration, I think. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, yeah, I think especially for those moments. Yeah. It's our collaboration. Yeah. But yeah, I think a lot of us, I'm thinking especially of like the kitchen scene oh yeah yep. that's sort of sort of the same thing it sort of starts a little bit in realism as in you just sort of watching the scene and then it from there it becomes very surreal yeah. and that was one where it was written out and I was like and we collaborated and I was like right. I, I see movement in this scene like can we change it a little bit so that we can add that movement and then yeah that's yeah yeah and I think that became like a scene that I, I like to like maybe my favorite scene in like yeah, the show after too, yeah. after I think after Marley kind of worked with the actors to play around with making it really a choreographed scene yeah. and I'm yeah. like oh wow this made it so much better <laughs> well, and, and what makes yeah. and what, what makes someone really interesting for anyone who saw Forever is that it draws on mm-hmm. things that happened in that piece and yeah. so that idea of like iterating it's, it's really interesting because like so much of this work seems to be coming out of iterative processes so the idea to then let the audience or at least a segment of the audience have an iterative experience with material on the one hand it exposes them to the process uh, how it was built but on the other it, it also gives them that gift of when you see something more than once, you start to find new things in it mm-hmm. and to watch new things emerge out of that moment. And yet at the same time, I can imagine, and I, I, I can only imagine, 
that people who saw it and hadn't had the experience of seeing forever were still getting a, a beautifully constructed scene. Right. One that maybe because right. it had been iterated on was even, you know, more beautiful than the fully participatory version yeah, of it. Sure. Yeah. I'm a big fan of I mean I like repetition, but I think you can't just repeat something. Like it yeah. it needs to grow and develop each time you repeat it. Yeah. Um I did a workshop with uh, the City Company, um, which is a company out of New York. They do um, movement, basically movement type device theater. Yeah. And I did that right before I came back and we started rehearsals for um, forever. So I feel like I was able to draw on a lot of that for the movement parts of it. And also, we, for some reason, we focused a lot on that kind of repetition and and it not being the same every time like it changing and developing and growing which is really cool that we got to use that in in uh in the show well in both shows really like like you said repeating stuff that was in the first show in the second show and making it different you were just talking about doing a workshop with the city company yeah let's i want to get into i wanted to get into uh the history of shine on but but let's but let's start with like a little bit of your, your influences. So wh- what's led you to doing this kind of work? Because it's still a really, it's a small and rarefied world. So I mean, it, for both. It's so, actually uh, funny that, cause I feel like we sort of like got to the same point from like different places. Yeah, totally. Um, yeah. Cause my background's in theater. Uh, I have a degree in theater and um, yeah, just like, just, you know, sit in an audience theater and um and I've also been really interested in um like dance and movement and that kind of thing if you saw the truth <laughs> I was the one dancing <laughs> in it oh yeah yeah that you was were me. that was yes. you <laughs> I was dancing I didn't choreograph that I had an amazing choreographer that's in New York and she choreographed that but anyway what was I saying oh yeah so theater is my background and then I saw Sleep No More in Boston Oh, wow, um, so you caught the, the ART production. I yeah. did. I saw it twice in Boston when it was in the old school. And um, because my I went to Northeastern University, which had a lot of connections with the ART, and so I knew like people had worked on it and stuff. Um, so that was my first immersive show I saw. And then after that, you know, you know it happens. Yeah. You're hooked. <laughs> yeah. You go down the rabbit hole, and then it's yeah. just like more and more and more who's doing the work. And yeah. That's how it goes. And I came more from a um, horror haunt background. Um, I feel like in LA in particular, a lot, not all immersive theater, but there are a lot of immersive things that came out of that scene or that are really connected to that scene. So, um, yeah, I studied, I mean, I studied writing and uh, was just sort of a horror fan as like one of my nerd side things. Um, And uh, doing just this things in LA, um, which started with mostly you know, haunted houses and then kind of growing at, down that, falling down that rabbit hole and seeing how that was growing and expanding into these other types of experiences yeah. and then going to more immersive experiences just year round, not necessarily horror themed. Um, after that, um, that's kind of how I snowballed into it. Um, so yeah, I kind of came more from the haunted house side, verging into immersive shows. It's, um, it's sort of funny because like the, I got to go to a workshop that like Zach Morris of Third Rail gave the, earlier this week, and I mean that company, you know, before before they did Then She Fell, they had for three years running they did the steampunk haunted house, and the idea was like 
and and he was telling a story about how you know it was pretty mild like they wanted to say like could we do it without like any like gore or, or any of that kind of stuff and and do it mostly kind of just you know, kind of do what they were already doing but like said it was a haunted house but they gave everybody a safe word mm-hmm. at the the start they gave safety and they would like give that and they'd like turn the lights off in the lobby after they give them the safe word and they'd have people like popping off and like yelling the safe word like before they and he said there's more people gave the safe word in the lobby than ever gave it in the actual show <laughs> because people just like freak themselves yeah. out yeah. you know it's like yeah. yeah that happens I've heard that about um, there's a haunted house in Vegas um, the trilogy of terror by Freaky oh, Brothers yeah, yeah. and I think outside when I was in line you were just talking to um, one of the characters or something who was hanging out outside of it and um, I didn't do they do like the extra extreme like the victim the experience, victim experience yeah. I didn't do that one I just did their regular um, haunt oh, but they have yeah. a safe word for like it's like gates of hell and they have a safe yeah. word for it um, and I remember talking to the guy outside last year when I did it and he was like most people call the safe word in the first room um, and the first room is not the scariest room. Um, yeah. But I think it's a very psychological thing. And I actually yeah. had a friend who um, came to see Devoted last weekend, or a coworker, and he told me uh, this was his first immersive show. He doesn't really do these types of things. I mean, he came out to it and he liked it. But he told me when I was reading the email you guys sent out, because we put a safe word in ours just mm. so that it was very clear if someone wanted out and to let our actors know. Um, no one's used it. Um, yeah. But yeah. Uh, we had one just in case. And he yeah. said, oh, reading the email and even just reading things like, you'll be blindfolded, you'll be in tight spaces. He said, I was starting to get really, really scared. <laughs> yeah. But then during the yeah. show, it was fine. But reading the email, I think like your imagination just starts going into yeah. like what's yeah. about to happen and it builds everything up sometimes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's it's interesting because like we talk a lot in, in culture in general about, you know, safe spaces and like the you know, like and people, you know, whether they're in a comfort zone or not. And what's interesting is like some folks in this world, they do think of these things as, you know, places to explore, you know, some of these more extreme things. And, and then being safe places to explore, specifically right. because you have things like a safe word or like you know right. it's make believe and yeah. like right. the the hard thing for me in a in a piece can be, and I've encountered this a couple of times this season, is you know the, the material itself might not be pushing me into like psychological trauma land, but whether or not I'm just trusting the company to yeah, like right. keep me just physically safe. Like I was at one yeah. and like. While I was blindfolded, one of the actors like, and I was like kneeling, one of the actors like tripped over me, like knocking to my ankle, and I'm like, ow, right? Oh, and then yeah. that, and at that moment, and then like, they were still taking possession of me, like moving around the space afterwards, blindfolded, and, and but after that moment, I was like, I don't know that they're watching out, and that right. meant that I couldn't relax into right. like you know right. you're being led. I had to like be like, all right, I'm going to be very no matter how much they want to kind of push me around, I'm going to be very deliberate on how I move because right. I don't trust they're just going like, to yeah. drop it. That's, that's been my main concern I think with some of them too is yeah. just the trust of who's handling you and yeah. the control. Um, you know, it's, the control. It's sort of the same thing with regular theater, I guess, if you want to call it regular. <laughs> um, um, where if you see a production and you can see that like they don't know exactly what they're doing, blah, blah, you're like thinking, you're like worrying for Exactly. Them. Right. Except it's worse because then yeah. you're worrying for yourself. Exactly, right. yeah. yeah. It's this extra level like that the fact that it's it's happening to you, it's like, oh, I hope those actors don't get hit by that light. It's like, I yeah. hope I don't get hit by <laughs> right. a light. Is this... You know, you know, what, what, how yeah. are these things hung? You know, um, 
and that and that removes that removes people from the 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 experience. Definitely, yeah. Um, okay, so you guys came at it from different angles, and how did you start Meet. working on things? Oh, yeah. Like that's a funny story. Yeah, we were singing uh, in an acapella chorus. Actually, Marley still sings in it, and yeah. I, I sing in a quartet, acapella quartet, but not in the chorus anymore. You should say fully what it is. Because it, people oh, think it's Oh, you're fun. right. They think yeah. it's all fun. Yeah, it's <laughs> a Sweet Adeline's International. It's, it's a It's women's. all women's barbershop. Yeah. Okay. And it's competitive. Whoa. Yeah. 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 So we both happened we to choose that as a hobby for around the same yeah. time and met each other. Yeah. And um, I think you're the one who really started the, I mean, you're the one who Discussion. cast everything in motion. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, I've done fringe festivals in the past and I saw that the Hollywood Fringe Festival was a thing. And I was like, it'd be really cool to do an immersive show. I've never done an immersive show before or I've never directed one. No, no, I've never done one at all. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> And so I knew Anna was a writer, and I knew her from Chorus, and I was like, she's never going to want to do this, but I'll just try. Why not? And so I approached yeah. her and was like, hey, would you be interested in writing a show that I would direct at the Hollywood Fringe Festival? And, like, just even, just, like, just writing it, like, nothing else. But then it became, like, a whole collaboration rather than that. Yeah. Yeah, it's really been something where we've both been at all the rehearsals for everything since, and... Um, and I send Marley my notes before I even write the script and like we get a lot of feedback from each other nice. but yeah it started yeah. off with very it even started off with we'll just try this little experiment for the Hollywood Fringe Festival yeah. and then that's it and then I think after doing that and that was sort of our our first ever like time out the door trying something out and experimenting with something and then after that I think we were like coming up with other ideas or other yeah. things that we wanted to do um, or ways that we could kind of build it or grow, um, yeah. Yeah. you know, and, and develop like how to put immers an immersive show together. And yeah, so then now by this point, we're like, this is something that we just are doing. <laughs> and, and to be clear, like that first show, we're, we're talking about the truth. The right? truth. Yeah, yeah. And that was just in June. It was. Yeah. And, and I mean, I was, I mean, as, as you guys know, I was like, I was like, I was not super into the truth yeah. as you both know um, but then weirdly enough like then this this is always the thing and like I, you know I will I will own up to like that I was like you know bearing down on you guys and then I started I saw a few more things in the fringe and I was instantly I was like you know I forgot to recalibrate for fringe I'll just be a little on it because because that's it's it's a place where people experiment and whatnot and like yeah. and then I went and saw like probably like the single word the one of the five worst things I've ever seen in my life, like two days later, and I was like, "Oh God!" Like, yeah, let's 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 yeah. drive people to like you know check this other thing out, and <laughs> and but like from there where you had you did a you know you did a processional, you had a few encounters. It was like audio driven and like yeah, and, and some and some of the moments were like you know congealing. I felt, and some of the moments were like not as congealing, and also then then just the difficulty of doing something on Hollywood Boulevard. It was and, very difficult. And, oh, yeah. And, like, the more I see... The more I see stuff being done out in the world, the more I realize that that's such a high difficulty yeah. level to try yeah. and keep... Yeah. We came in. out the gate... Like, like we, like, started our first show with, let's do outside using people's phones or you know having this audio component like really we had a lot cast. of yeah, yeah really yeah. large cast yeah. yeah so yeah we know and i think we knew going into it like 
oh, why are we doing like or, you yeah. know like a little bit of that like okay, can we get yeah. all this together? Like it was an ambitious, yeah. it was an ambitious show, and in some ways, I think that was really good for us because we were trying to. Like, there were a lot of logistics that we had to figure out that actually made figuring out logistics for shows yeah. since then a lot easier. A lot easier. <laughs> <laughs> like, just moving people through yeah. through it and then timing it out. Like, even just like, logistics stuff like that. Well, and, and like, I was so... And this is sort of funny thing, because, like, I still haven't, I still haven't sat down and, like, written my, my reaction uh, to Devoted. I've only talked about it. But, like... And, and made notes, like, in, in the newsletter. But, mm-hmm. you know just freaking tied with delusion for my favorite thing that I've seen in the season and just the level at which well because I, I, I wrote about forever but I didn't I didn't write about it but like the level at which you guys are, are working here in what is technically your sophomore show it's like every single lesson that you learned you learned and ran with it and that's so wonderful to see because the health of the whole scene and the health of a, of a theater company like depends upon artists being able to continue to grow and continue to challenge themselves and that mm. it's it's not and it's not like in a crude way that you've like really grown grown it's 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 that you're hitting these nuanced points and exactly right like how you're timing people through and like mm-hmm. you know craft you know how the moments are sticking together and and nailing the transitions from moments to moments and right. to be able to go from like being outside where you have no control of the transition to being right. in your yeah. own apartment <laughs> where you have nothing that, but control of your transition yes yeah. that was yeah that was a nice change a big thing <laughs> yeah. was i love playing with the transition it's the director's in- art in yeah. this show, I yeah. love it, but yeah. we couldn't do any of that yeah. outside. Yeah. There's a lot of things where I was like, oh, let's do this. And then we're like, no, oh, we're outside. We can't yeah. we have right. petals yeah. falling, like whatever. Oh. Yeah, oh, yeah. everyone's have petals falling in one scene, but then we can't figure out. Yeah, I think it was like rose yeah. petals or something, and we're like, oh, how? <laughs> yeah. How do we do this on Santa Monica Boulevard? on probably like zero budget. It's like, well, we could exactly. build like a Bluetooth trigger for a box and a yeah. thing. It's like, that would be $500. It's like, no, I guess we're not doing that. Yeah. 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 So yeah, it was definitely a big change. I think too, um, I mean, we've been working on like, I felt feels like it's been since the French Festival, like nonstop. So we to did get, a, a non-immersive, well, oh, that's right, like yeah. a black box really, yeah. Yeah, yeah. theater show zombie joes yeah and i feel like um we probably have done more shows back to back than we'll ever do um, again because it really crammed them in um this first year yeah you never know now that i say that it's gonna be all that we do but um um, i feel like um for me and especially because this is sort of i came from a very fiction writing background Mm. so like exploring theater and like how it works when people are physically there experiencing the story and then immersive theater where you're in the story um was really new I mean I'd done a lot of it but writing it you know it was a really different um, thing to experiment with Um, so I feel like for me doing all these shows kind of in succession um, you know kind of helped my learning curve like you know um, because I got all this experience within like six months um, or this year um and this is almost like a graduate program. Like you two have given yourself <laughs> right. like a graduate program. In yeah, yeah, doing, yeah basically. Right? Yeah. And there, I don't think there is one in the country. So congratulations. All right. Um, you know, I'll, I'll, t- I'll go through my five card out and give you guys PhDs. Um, <laughs> that'll be thirty thousand dollars each. Yeah. <laughs> that works. <laughs> yeah. Um, also, it was really helpful that in this show, I got 
I got to work, or we, we got to work with a lot of people that we'd worked with in the past. So yeah. most of the cast was in the truth, except one person. Yeah, really, um, just um, the actor playing the father was our yeah, only like uh, newbie. Um, and for, newbie the, for the truth, I did a lot of improv exercise with them, lots of movement exercises, which you don't, didn't really get to use for the truth. So like I, I had sort of felt like, like the they had like yeah these tools yeah. that were like ready to go. It, 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 I, I got to see something over the weekend where like a, a, a company did a bespoke piece and like and, and they put it together and I found out the next day they did it in 12 hours and I was wow. like what? But that was because the people had all been working between 2 and 10 years together with each other. Yeah. So like you can do that when you speak the same language mm-hmm. and, and you're, you're used to assembling. And it was like you know, I don't know, it was like a ten minute piece made for like four people, right? But right. that's the other beautiful th- actually that and that's that's another beautiful thing about like devoted, like when these things work, you you as the participant lose a sense of time. Like I could not tell you how long I was in devoted. I couldn't tell you how long I was actually in this thing. It's like right. you're you're in a moment and a moment lasts exactly how long a moment lasts. Right. There is no time. Right. Even though it's all going through so maybe but there, but there is time that's put into it. So, working on this piece and and uh, and rehearsing it and and getting it to a point, like how how many hours a week were you putting in? Because I'm assuming that there's bills that have to be paid. Right. Yeah. We had what, at least question. two or three two or three rehearsals, rehearsals a week every week. For well, it gets a little confused in my brain because we did forever and then did devoted right after so yeah I, like rehearsals for devoted all... start the week after i think forever yeah. as a show and yeah, later something so like when this. did that show end um, it was like early Labor september yeah yeah and then we've been rehearsing that show since august so like they all kind of bled really i feel like we've been working on devoted in a way since late august or uh, but we didn't really start rehearsing it till September, so like six weeks. Yeah, yeah. So devoted itself, yeah. yeah it's kind of interesting because because you had that opportunity to like bring pieces of it yeah. up to the surface, mm-hmm. right? And it's almost like a it's a small version of what Third Rail did on the road to Then She Fell, which is they had you know they had a dance piece that was at the Bank of America Plaza here in L.A. They had another thing that was the room. They had the and they had the steampunk haunted house, and they learned different lessons from each of those. But they, yeah. every once in a while, there was something that they had interacting with people, and then come back and it informs the next thing. So it's almost like a condensed, like it's the eight week version of a three year process. Right. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. but and it, and and but that iterative process delivers so much. When did you start? How early into the rehearsal process did you bring subjects, like people to like kind of be the guinea pigs? Oh. Maybe, the, maybe the week before for Devoted or the weekend? Well, it was convenient that there was two of us because there were two people. Two, oh, yeah. There's only two audience members. Yeah, yeah, a lot of the time we'll stand in for the audience at the rehearsal um, to give the actors someone to play off of and, and yes. sort of experience it sort of, as an audience member. It's interesting as a director, um, for p- directors out there who haven't directed immersive theater yet, um, there's like two perspectives, right? There's the perspective as the audience member, which is what you'd think you'd want to like experience it as because that's what, what, where the audience is going to be. But sometimes I feel like it's also useful to direct it from the outside with seeing an audience member experience mm. it. There's like those two different. So I, I sort of like to go back and forth with both. Yeah. I feel like with when I'm the audience member, it's 
it's easier to direct like the transitions and like that kind of thing. But when I'm looking at it from the outside, it's easier to direct the actor themselves. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. I could see that. Yeah. yeah. Because I'll, I mean, a lot of times I want to do like work with the actor. Like, why are you saying that? Like, and that kind of you know normal theater directing right. stuff. And then there's yeah. the point of being the audience, which is, like, completely different. Like, mm-hmm. exactly how I'm experiencing this, which is totally different for everyone, so there's only so much you can really right. Sometimes it can be that. distracting, I think, too, when you're playing audience. I mean, I think it's nice to switch out because sometimes you almost get a little lost in the in the moment or what you're <laughs> supposed to be focusing on as audience, which is good, but it's, um, when you already know what you're supposed to be focusing on as audience, too, because you wrote or are directing the show, <laughs> you feel like yeah. you still have a biased perspective and you need to kind of step back from it. Um, right. So there's, yeah. like, a little bit of a balance between those things, it seems like. So what do you seek from the the audience members that you, or, or, or your friends or family that you run through it before you take it to the audience? Like, what, what, what are you looking for? What questions do you ask them? Because i got to imagine that's, that's a big part of tweaking the process. Yeah, um... That's a good question. Yeah. A lot of the time, people will kind of just tell us something off the top of their heads, you know, or tell yeah. us just what they thought or what they interacted with. And I, I feel like we do that first or let them kind of tell us what they want to tell us about it. Yeah. Or see what something it. that I was really focusing on um, was uh, I was worried that it would become too abstract and mm. that they would sort of lose, like, a story. I mean, it was abstract and it was surreal, but you still have to have. We were t- we've been talking about this. Right. You still have to have like the, the silly story. The simple the, core story. Yeah, the simple story you understand, and then you can sort of build your own around that. Mm. You know, like you don't want too much of the story. You don't want like everything spoon fed to you, but you still need like something to hold on to that you can build your own like ideas around. Yeah. So I didn't want to lose that. Yeah, that, we were worried about that, it, especially for yeah. devoted, because if someone came in without seeing forever, you know, would they understand the concept, right. um, you know, the context of everything, and that they're getting thrown into, um, right. and making sure we took at least a little time to kind of remind them of who Kara is. Um, and yeah. uh, you know, I think our an original version of the script, um, they meet uh, her her ex boyfriend yeah. character first um, mm. uh, outside, the and then we minute. changed that yeah. because we realized that could be interesting if someone's already met Kara and is expecting to see her, and they're like, "Who's this?" Um, but it might be super confusing if someone doesn't even know who Kara is yet or what she's supposed to look like, um, yeah. and it's coming into the show. Yeah. Um, so there were certain things I think we were really worried about making sure, just little tweaks or little things, touches to make sure that um, right. people could still follow it, especially jumping in in the last yeah. chapter. So I think that was the biggest thing, like, in terms of audience's reaction. Like, were you able to get some story and not be just, like, confused? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, it's, it's interesting because there's, there's one theory that holds, and I think some really great shows use this, that basically, you know, you're setting up the conditions for the audience to sort of make their own narrative out of it. And And I've always felt that, I, one of the lines I have about film is, you know, that the final edit's actually assembled in the audience's head, right? It's yeah, not, totally. it's, it's not what the filmmaker intended. It's what you actually received, right? right? That, that's the thing that ultimately matters. Um, and so there's a bit where anything that is dramatic sort of is about setting up the conditions uh, for someone to come to that to a conclusion of their own. Um, um, but you know what's what's great about what you've done here is that 
you've set up the conditions to follow this line and 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 understand this this very singular character and that that is very different from something like you know the grand paradise or or then she fell well when then she fell i feel like you know there's the historical personages of the characters and they kind of like represent they represent a few principles but like in TGP, they're, they're very archetypal, and there's almost, like, no identity there for those characters. And, but here, it's it's someone very specific. And at times, because we're, we're taking on the role of, of Kara, and, but mostly because we're, we're, we're in relation to, to Trish, and, and, and we're, because we're in relation to Trish, we then wind up in relation to the other people through the lens of who she is like it would kind of it almost would be fascinating to like run back through it mm-hmm. um well you only saw one track oh yeah we have an alternate track um that does it's... not get marley scenes actually yeah oh. you don't get my scenes and oh, wow. actually i was thinking about it. i think in the tra- in the tracks there's not one scene that's exactly the same that's some true. are very similar but none are exactly the same yeah. yeah, yeah, you definitely get a few. Yeah, the same idea, yeah. the same part of the story is. Or it'll change you, a little tiny bit at the end or something. Like yeah, that. but there's different but variations. There, there are two tracks. There are two tracks. Yeah, yeah. 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 So the other person that was yeah in the show, with which you. is Trisha's boyfriend. So. Oh yeah, oh, Trisha's that's right. Yeah. <laughs> Awkward. Yeah. <laughs> um, he had some scenes that you didn't have. Yeah. yeah. Oh man. Well, that's and that well, and that's also one of the one of the glories of of the form, right? Is like yeah, everyone gets a different experience. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. Like, I mean, I think see. even when people get the exact same yeah, scene or the exact same show, yeah. in theory, they get a different experience. Oh yeah, no, definitely. Which is cool. Definitely, without a doubt. What's uh, what, what's what's next? Are you gonna take a little downtime? I imagine because like November and December is kind of hard to like mount anything in. But yeah, yeah, that's you... the plan. Yeah, to, to gonna... just figure out what we want to do next. Really. Yeah. yeah, yeah. November, December. I think yeah, we were going to take a break and, but also start talking about and thinking about next year. Yeah. Um, and what we'd like to do and, I mean, it, when and where. When and where exactly? <laughs> yeah, that's that's a big that's a big, big part of it. Yes. Um, what's exciting you in the in the space right now? I mean, it's very busy. I mean, you guys have been working n- you know, nonstop, but like I know you're also like drawing inspiration from around. Oh so, yeah, like, we see, like we see all of it. Well, we try to. We try to see yeah. as much of it as we <laughs> yeah. can. Yeah. yeah. Um. Well, for me, um, in terms of like the other immersive companies that are out there. I really love the Speakeasy Society. Oh, yeah. yeah. Same. Yeah, I think we're both big fans of what, what they do. Um, I think they're doing something in December. Or they've been teasing that they're doing something in December. December? Yeah. Also, I don't know. Like, yeah. I haven't talked to them. In, I saw them in Indicate, yeah. but I haven't talked to them since. Yeah. I've got to check or at least in winter. Indicate maybe is... it's not as soon as December. Yeah. Something, something's yeah. coming up. There might be... They might have found a way to do something they've done in the past. Didn't they say at it, the thing they did at Indicate is something they're going to do in the fall? That's yeah, there's stuff. I don't. I mean, it, I think that they're they've got a couple of plans for that, and it might manifest in a couple of different ways. Um, I think they might even be building on that. Might be one being one component in something. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like that's that's definitely. I don't know much more than that, but that's definitely theirs to to share and not and not necessarily right. Yeah. Fair enough. Um, <laughs> yeah, but, but yeah, we're definitely looking forward to seeing yeah. more from them. Yeah. And, I mean, we love. 
everyone. Yeah, <laughs> we, yeah, we do. We try to support and go out and yeah, see everyone and, and stuff. And Anna knows a lot of the um, people from, like you know, like Nick from. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, Nick from Screenshot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've talked to him and. Um, uh, we met, I think, uh, Devin from Alone did, um, our preview actually at Scarole. He came and checked oh, cool. our show out yeah, we did, and then really we nice. and we did Alone, um, yeah. at Scarole. I think it's due at this, whatever they did last weekend. Yeah, the show. Yeah, the yeah, their recent yeah. show, because yeah. we had our show the same night. But yeah. I've done a lot of their productions, um, yeah, we, yeah, we basically love everyone. You know, there was a really cool, <laughs> I can't think of the production company right now, but, um, uh, they did uh, H&G. H&G. Yeah, yeah the liked... Hansel and Gretel. H&G. Oh, yeah, that Before one. we did The Truth, we yeah. went and saw every immersive show that was happening, and that was one that we really liked. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I haven't seen I don't know something who else. That was, yeah, so. I haven't seen something else from them that I if know of. If you're listening but... to this, contact us. <laughs> <laughs> we liked it. Yeah. It was cool. Um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I remember that was one of the ones that's still kind of one of my favorites from this year. Um, I think it was like way earlier this year, January or February. Yeah, January. It, was, it was down yeah, in a spot yeah. like out in the out of part of the flower district. Yeah, 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 yeah it was like, in like yeah. this like warehouse or something. Yeah, yeah there was like an yeah. like, art studio thing like down in the warehouse district yeah. up in the flowers. Yeah, I saw yeah. Uh, H&G, a public outcry or something yeah. like that. Yeah, 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 yeah that one was cool. Um, yeah, but yeah, we, yeah, we basically see everything and like everything. Oh, um, of oh, course, uh, the wilderness um, is awesome. Oh, the Clarence. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. they're of course a big yeah. one. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, I think that's that covers like all the turf in the territory. Is there any, <laughs> yeah. Anything else? Anything else we should know, or 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 you guys want to say to 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 the burgeoning audience out there <laughs> well i i did want to say just mention i feel like we should mention our whole team because we oh, also yeah. have oh yeah oh yeah um anna's sister does oh, yeah. all our graphic design yeah my sister has designed all of our uh flyers and logos yeah. and everything so um yeah i i email her and say we're doing this and this is what we want it kind of to look christy. like and she's been yeah christy riddle and yeah she's it's been so useful to have a graphic designer <laughs> yes it's, it it's really so is useful. yeah she is our in-house i'm yeah, awesome. graphic designer she's, yeah. she's been enjoying it i'm not like yeah looping her or anything but um but yeah she's been she's been enjoying it and enjoying being involved i think and um and she's yeah, she's turned out some really cool, I think, intriguing, like, imagery that has been part of, like, the allure of, like, what is this? Yeah. Um, you know, which is fun. Yeah. And then um, our musician slash composer slash all things sound and music. Yeah, yeah. that's something we didn't really um, talk Yeah, Yeah, name. which is, her name's Kate Kohler. Yeah. Well, she's I, really great. She's the, a pianist and musician. The sound design on, on both... Devoted and forever mm-hmm. was awesome, and indeed on the truth as well. She did all, yeah. all of that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, like it's it's super 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 impressive, and like I remember with with forever because it involved being driven here, like that getting that sense of being kind of like lulled into it, mm, and, like, yeah. and there were notes. If you, if you went and saw, you probably saw part tuition. Yeah. So like yeah. it totally reminded me of like you know the opening sequence there where it's like you're in a car and you're driving along and you're kind of like you're absorbing a story, and 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 while you're like, there's something about putting people into a liminal state, and there's something about telling people a story in the manner of a bedtime mm-hmm. story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's one of the, it's one of the very effective moments in sleep in uh, in Then She Fell, is you get the bedtime story, uh, in in some of the tracks. Don't and, tell me I'm seeing oh, December. Oh. <laughs> and, 
And Grand Paradise, too. <laughs> oh, right before it closes, yeah. too. Yeah. Oh, wow. I'm a little jealous. I'd love to get, I'd love to get back. I'd love to get back one last time. Not going to happen. Um, I got other things that I've seen. Whatever. You know, I'm spoiled, so I shouldn't yeah. complain. Um, yeah, there's, there's, there's something to that. Um, kind of, it's, it, it primes something primal like because like the original mm-hmm. experience for almost all of us when it comes to story is like our parent is telling us a story yeah and that's that's how we learn about the world right yeah yeah, yeah. yeah it really um calls back to this very instinctive um, memory or something that's yeah like, or something comes from memory yeah. i feel like yeah that's one of the, that's one of the fun things about about this type of work is that you get to play you get to play with the whole person Right, yeah. like like the, the the like the audience member as a psychological creature, as an emotional creature, as a physical creature. Like you you get to play with all of it, totally. You know, within within limits, right? But <laughs> yeah. but and and I feel like the more the more of those aspects you engage, like then the more permission to like you get to engage with even more. You know, people yeah. willing to sort of follow you down the rabbit hole if you're, there, if you're playing. With yeah, there are way more visceral ways that you can relate to people in immersive shows massively yeah yeah, yeah. the response has been um so exciting to, for this one too because um uh we've gotten people who are like just super into immersive shows some people getting into immersive shows who are trying us out and then some people who are already like we have like veterans from the tension experience like that's been going on all year um who came through and um a lot of people feel like really connected you know are emotionally invested in it um and i think it's really cool to kind of have this relationship with these people you don't maybe don't otherwise know in a lot of cases yeah um but you kind of have this like bond with them like i mean i love hearing from people who uh, message us or talk to us about the show and um it's like on both ends you're really emotionally connected and invested and you kind of develop this strange sort of relationship yeah. <laughs> you know yeah. between, uh, from i think the actors feel it too i mean I, trish remembers pretty much everyone yeah. goes through the show yeah. um, you know most yeah. of our cast does like I'll mention a name and she'll know who you are yeah. like most of the time like because every show and every like bond that she has with them is like yeah. really its own unique thing so that's something so cool and so special about um, that that art form that was one of the funky things about doing the rope is because Trish is in that show right. oh, I know. and I was like she was like the first actor like other than the guides that I was directed to, to see so I was, I was like wait I'm in front of Cara like yeah. what, what, what is, yeah. This is weird. Yeah, like, when, suddenly call back, you know. When I was waiting in line at Indiecade, I heard so many people be like, because uh, she was doing the yeah. rope preview or whatever at Indiecade, <laughs> like sitting over on the side, yeah, yeah. her red thing. And um, so many people behind me were like, Cara's over there. And I, and I was like, <laughs> she's following you. <laughs> A friend of mine emailed me, I think he did the first night of the rope, and he emailed me saying, tell Cara's twin that she did great in the rope. Or something like that. <laughs> yeah. That's fantastic. Yeah. All right, that's a fun place to stop. So. <laughs> Once again, just want to thank our guests on the show today, Marley, Delia, and Anna Mavramati. Um, hey, that was a good episode. Let's leave it at that. 
how can you find the shine on collective? That is a, that is a most excellent question. Uh, one way I do it is I keep up with them on Twitter where they are at shine on shows. That's, that's one way to do it. Uh, the other way is shineoncollective.com here on the internet. Don't you realize we're all on the internet now, always and forever. Um, that's, that's the two main ways to do it. Also Facebook, you know, that, that thing. Um, how do you find us? Perhaps this is your first time with the no proscenium folks. Um, at no proscenium is our Twitter handle. No proscenium.com is the URL. Facebook.com slash no proscenium is the Facebook thing. Um, medium.com slash no dash proscenium is where we keep our essays and theatrical criticism. Um, and then if you want to help out the show, it's patreon.com slash no dash proscenium. That's how to contact us. Uh, you can also follow me at Noah J. Nelson if you feel like it, or if you want to follow Zay in New York at Zay Amsbury. Um, speaking of Zay, uh, he's got the con for next week. I'm going to be up in the Bay Area, and uh, we've got a interview that Zay did uh, in the can already. And um, the week after that, uh, maybe another one from Zay. We've got a couple things brewing um, or there's a chance we, we might take a bye week for Thanksgiving. We just might. I don't know. Haven't decided yet. Um, that's it for the 72nd episode of the show. We've got so much to do. A lot of work ahead of us. And, um, hey, we've got each other. So, until next week, I'll see you at the show. <laughs>